gentlemen, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train Podcast. Uh, my name is Joe Wheat, that's at JoeWheat27 on Twitter. Uh, with my boys, as always, Trevor Levitt, T-Lev Y-Fan, and Hunter Miller. Uh, brethren, why does it feel like it's been like three weeks since we've talked last? I honestly was thinking that same thing earlier today. I was like, it's been forever since we did a podcast. And I was like, oh, it's been like a week. It's because BYU <laughs> I think didn't I, play. I think I missed the last one. So that didn't help either. Did, no, weeks, you were out. No, you, you were there. It was I, two I weeks just, ago. Was it two weeks ago? Missed, oh, yeah. see, look, at look, it's all just meshing together now. Because last year or last week, it was we were talking about the Kalani Satake coaching carousel. That's right. And Which, since like, then, extension. Don't want to say it was because of us, but. Yeah, no, no. It, the writing's on the wall. I'm not going to say because it, of us. But... Certainly, certainly, it's not because Kalani follows me on Twitter and I'm, uh, a, <laughs> as you really? all know, I, yeah, he does. That was one wow. of the better days. of That was one of the better days of my year last year when I found out that him and Aaron Roderick hit the follow button on me. Um, Who, who's your most random Twitter follower? Answer like from the most uh, answer from all that, of you guys. I want answers from both people. Just like when you scroll, like the people who follow you, and you're just like, why does like that person follow? Like I don't know if it necessarily has to be random, but the first person where you're just like, oh wow, like this person follows me. That's either random or cool. If you uh, know of any off the top of your head, without having to scroll the thousands of people that follow Joe Wheat. <laughs> I was going to say, not to flex, but this could take me a second. Um, I think, oh, no, I like the, the answer is simple. The weirdest, the weirdest people that, the weirdest ones that follow me is like literally every Utah fan that follows me. Because <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, okay, what are you doing? Like seeing my stuff is not going to make you a happier person. I, I appreciate it. I, I decided that when I joined Twitter, my goal was to get every Utah fan to either follow me or block me. And I would say we're well on our way. You're like 50-50 um, right now. Yeah, my gosh, especially the last few weeks. Um, but person though, is there anyone that you know other than Kalani where you're just like, I know this person follows me and it's awesome or random? Trevor, do you have one? While I Joe do. Strolls? Uh, the one, the one I'm most proud of is probably Boney Fuller. I mean, anyone nice. who listens to this podcast is familiar with uh, the greatness that is his tweets and uh. I can't remember exactly what the tweet was, but the nature in which he followed me made me feel really good because he liked one of my tweets and then immediately the follow came in after. Uh, and so I lured him in with my wit <laughs> and charm. So that's my that's my flex. Awesome. Um, I did get a DM from Boney like a few weeks ago. Like yeah, in I, response, I, just being like, this is hilarious. I'm like, oh, my man, like the finest <laughs> seal of approval. <laughs> That that was the best day of my life when I got a I got a DM from him. That's one of those two. That's the equivalent of the so Hunter Miller ballin ballin stamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, if Bunny Fuller reaches out and says your tweets are funny, <laughs> then you're well on your way, kid. I should have I should have made a graphic for that too. <laughs> all right, you have one, Joe. Um, yeah. So I mean, first this is one all that this up, is all in the least bit of flexing possible. Yeah. So. Uh, Darnell Dixon actually follows me. I have no idea how Double that D. happened. Um, Peter Falanico, who's uh, Curtin's current signee, uh, nice. follows me. Uh, I mean, Kalani and Aaron Roderick was was a big one last year. Um, baller move. I don't know. I, there was one that followed me a couple weeks ago. I can't really remember. But uh, 
I think more, more than the followers, the thing that, the thing that I love the most is when I get tagged on random things that people want <laughs> me to see. So like the other day I got tagged. So like last year I got tagged in a tweet that was the people that were tagged were Boney Fuller, the official BYU football account, Jerem Jordan, uh, Johnny Linehan and me. <laughs> It's like I, for some reason, they thought I was like some kind of official source. The other day, it was like they tagged me and Jerem Jordan in something, as if I have a an opinion that's as as credible as Jerem Jordan's on well, any type of issue. They're convinced you're on process. BYU Sports Nation. I thought I love the thought process of well, if the BYU football account can't get it done, surely Joe will <laughs> Joe be able can. to. Oh yeah, no, yeah. It, you guys, the the DMs we get sometimes are. We, we put out a meme, uh, if you're not on Twitter, we put out a meme the other day. A lot of the DMs we get will be directed at me. Uh, <laughs> there the- are two other people on this podcast. Uh, all of those on Twitter. So, yes, I'm, I'm here to shout out my boys. Uh, they, they know more <laughs> a lot. They know a lot more than I do um, on, on all things sports and sports adjacent topics. So, uh, please feel free to address your DMs to them because I know absolutely nothing about anything. Uh, unless you talk to Ute Zone, then I am the ghost writer behind uh, every sporting account that has ever said anything mean about You may be the, the Big 12 commissioner. Yeah. Bob Bowlesby? Slash Joe Wheat. We've never and seen Scooby them in Doo the same takes, room at the same time. Scooby-Doo take off the mask meme. It's really Joe Wheat <laughs> under there. This one, uh, Max Tooley. That's a good one. So that's fine. I, I got a few say, BYU players that follow me, and it was an awesome moment when I got the Malik Moore follow after tweeting a video of him. Dude, I'm jealous. Malik Moore that's, would be an awesome one. That's one of my <laughs> prouder ones. It's not the most random one, but it's a proud one. What's your What's your random? Uh, I don't expect either of you two to know this, and I don't expect a ton of people listening to know who this person is. But if you follow NFL football, particularly in the 90s and the Buffalo Bills that went to four straight Super Bowls, Steve Tasker, who was the kick returner and punt returner on those Buffalo Bills teams, who's heralded as in NFL circles as the greatest special teams player of all time that's not a kicker. That if there was one special teams guy that wasn't necessarily like a field goal kicker that should be in the Hall of Fame, it's Steve Tasker. And now he does like he did play or uh, sideline reporting for NFL games on CBS radio. And and now he does a show for the Buffalo Bills. I don't know why. And I don't know why he still continues to follow me. (laughs) But uh, that was for sure the most random where I got a notification that was like Steve Tasker started following you. I think it was when I was at ESPN and he probably just saw the ESPN in the bio and didn't read the 960 aspect of it. But shout <laughs> out to sick. Steve Tasker. The that, most, that, and still to this day, he's getting a lot of BYU content, I guess, that, on his feed because he still <laughs> follows me. That's even more weird when you consider that you're a Patriots fan. Yeah. I've, and they're the same division. Yeah. A couple of times I've tweeted about the Patriots and I'm like, oh, I wonder if he'll see this and be like, why is this? Why do I follow this kid? <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude, I got to say, I got to point out one that I think just because he's so social on Twitter kind of gets a little bit underrated. Just growing up a huge BYU, just everything fan. I mean, we've obviously made that quite uh, apparent here on the podcast. But just the fact that I can have conversations and I'm followed by Jonathan Tavanari, 
is pretty cool. Dude, isn't that sick? Like once, he's, we'll get him on the pod once he's uh once we're out of football season. Officially. Yeah, dude. Like shout out to Johnny. Like you were one of my favorite players along with Jimmer and Jackson, and I just remember like just growing up, just hearing his name all the time. And then of course, you know, the famous, you know, calls from Greg Rubel, you know, JT for three. And just the fact that like I, I can have conversations with him and he quote tweets my stuff. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Dude. So he was one of the ones who like latched onto the walking around the Marriott center thing pretty early on. He loved and it. when he, when he was like, Joe, me and you, like during the, during the tournament, I'm getting us into the Marriott Center. We're going to walk <laughs> yeah. around. I thought I was going to have a panic attack. I was so freaking excited. And then, alas, COVID. Then, yeah. But, Jonathan, I'm not sure if you're this a listener madness, to the podcast. Though. I hope you are. Uh, but you have three fanboys here who absolutely love what you do. What is your dream Twitter follow? If there's one BYU person out there that doesn't follow you that you wish they would, now's your chance to plead your case. Oh, man. Not Tom Homo. I want to follow from Samson. I just, I just, he's just. Lord and Taylor. He's, yes. Like, he's one of my favorite. Just everything he tweets is so good. And he's a really authentic guy. Um, Obviously, he showed his support for his U teammates a couple of weeks ago in their conference championship. Which, I mean, as much as I don't like Utah, I can appreciate that you know, as a former player and, you know, having friends that were teammates and whatnot. And I don't know, he's just been tied to a lot of my favorite memories this year. Uh, he's been tied to really all of my favorite celebrations this year. And so I would just love a, I'd love a follow from, from Samson. Hit him up. Um, not, not necessarily one I'd like to follow. I really want to go to lunch with Carter wheat for obvious reasons. Um, one of these days. Mostly because Get we need to. Uh, mostly because we need to do that family search thing, which figures out how distant distant cousins you are. Uh, so that's that's probably the big yeah the biggest one is like they have a house where it's Carter Wheat, Mason Wake, Blake Freeland. Uh, how we, we have a man on the can. inside, and we still haven't gotten Carter Wheat. No, I like I I really want to go out. I just want to hang out with their apartment for like a night because <laughs> they sound like a blast. A pod, a live pod in the house. Once the season's that, over, that would be we'll just lit. going to the house with like six mics, just a live pod. We'll stream it live. That will be our first live YouTube broadcast. If we can do that, pop pop some Red Bulls, just really get it flowing. Because with because with the software that's that we used to record a, these, we can go live on YouTube and like Twitter that, and stuff. That's got to be a postseason one. Like when the season's all <laughs> yeah, said and what, done, we just have like we have like a. a this is really well, every, after this week. Every podcast is going to be a postseason one, be, but have like a bachelor style tell all where <laughs> we, yeah. So, again, any BYU players that listen to this, please reach out to us. We want to have like just a fun one where you can just talk your ish because we'll get Wingstop. Yeah, we'll we'll buy we'll buy the food. Don't need Wingstop. Uh, Wingstop. If, Malik comes, if Malik comes and we'll get the Wingstop hooked up. And you can be the official athlete of the the BYU hype train. Uh, not, I've already reached paid. out to I've already reached out to Colby Lee on the subject. Um, I told him if he gets if we can get him back in a BYU uniform, then he'll be the official athlete. But which BYU is looking for a center. We'll send you swag. 
BYU, BYU needs a center bad, so we do need the return of Colby Lee. All right, Hunter, what's your uh, what's your dream follow? Um, if I could get, honestly, Jamal Williams would be awesome, but that one's kind of a little, yeah. that one's out there. So realistically, if I could get Max Hall to follow, it's a good one. I talked with him at the Utah game, and obviously we've had our interactions when I was at 960. So I know he knows who I am, but I still haven't gotten the follow back from him. <laughs> but obviously I don't want to like text him and be like, hey, follow me back, you jerk. <laughs> so I'm just waiting for it to happen organically. So who knows? I mean, if if you know Mac, if anyone out there knows Max Hall and wants to ask him to follow me for me, it's at Miller H. Hunter, Max. If he follows too, come on, dude. For for a split second, I forgot the the BYU you know theme of this, and I thought you were going to say Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I wanted to keep it a little realistic, but who knows? I mean, a Buffalo Bills guy from the '90s followed me, so yeah. <laughs> I do have oh. a follow from a New England Patriot, which is dope. Oh, but... so, and to bring this bring this full circle, my favorite follower that I have is the BYU High Train Podcast. Hey yo! Um, hey yo! What a plug! Let's go, and you too. It could be better. We, <laughs> our social game could be better. We're working on it. We have Anyways. our own social pages to monitor. Yeah, that's true. Got to produce the content. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so like I said, it's it's been a long week. Um, it feels like a long time because the last probably like, I mean, up until Friday afternoon, pretty much every day last week was spent refreshing and feeling anxious about the Kalani Satake situation. Um, but that is, that has been resolved. That's our first order of business today. Um, we've, we've spent 15 minutes talking about random Twitter followers. So let's spend like one on this. Trevor, what's your gut reaction? Uh, five sentences or less Kalani Satake gets extended at BYU. I'll give you one word. Finally. Um, I was talking, obviously Joe and I were texting, uh, back and forth. Uh, Cougar Nation was obviously very concerned about this whole thing, but uh, in Tom, we trust. Uh, he came through uh, like we've always believed that he would, and uh, Kalani's here to stay. What about you, Hunter? In 30 seconds or less? Yeah. Um, I mean, shout out to Kalani, and I don't think it was necessarily the money that he was wanting so much as it was the resources. True. And, you know, BYU's at the at the uh, time in, in their life cycle where they're going to need more resources going to the big 12, especially, you know, nutrition staffs, more strength and conditioning, more assistant coaching resources, analytics, all that jazz recruiting. Um, so I am not shocked or surprised that the Kalani extension came. I think, you know, we talked about it over the course of our group chat for that week that, you know, I don't think my nervousness level ever reached above a three on a scale of one to 10. Um, so the, it's not the extension that I'm necessarily like super stoked on. Like, obviously I'm excited, but I didn't think he would leave to begin with. Uh, what I'm really excited to see is what other resources BYU brings in. And obviously I'm sure we'll get some news of those over the next few months and heading into the, uh, 2022 season. But, you know, seeing what this extension entails, because we were told it's been, it's unprecedented. So and I don't think that's necessarily I'm talking about money or length. I think that's talking about resources allocated uh, through the contract. So I'm excited to see what those are. 
I think my word would be um, new age. That's two words, but like, I, I think <laughs> I think we're entering. This, I think this contract was kind of a watershed moment. It was a very this this was as crucial of a moment for me as when BYU decided to join the Big Twelve. Like, not only did you have to like the Big Twelve thing is obviously the biggest thing in all of this, but like you had to, this was an equally big moment because it showed what BYU was going to do moving forward. Um, it, it it was a message to the coaching staff, to the fans, like, hey, you can continue to invest in BYU sports because we're going to invest in them as well. Um, it, it had BYU lost Kalani, I think. I probably would have had to pull back a lot emotionally from BYU sports <laughs> because I can't invest that much in something that uh, isn't really invested in itself. Take that for a dating tip. But uh, <laughs> I uh, no, I, the, I think it's just a sign that especially like how unprecedented the contract is. We don't know all the details of that um, from hashtag sources. Uh, this, the staff size will increase um by upwards of 10 to 15 additional staff um the the deal the 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 payment number that was told to me um is competitive with everyone else in the big 12 um the assistants got paid a, a big 12 wage like it, it's clear that the it, it's clear that the program wants to commit like a power five program um so i think that's the biggest thing for me um but like guys like Hunter, I have no idea how you weren't nervous because all the things I was hearing flying around, uh, you guys don't understand how painfully close this was. Like, and the, and the reason Kalani, like he was offered ish. He, I don't think a formal offer was ever extended. But like, look who Oregon ended up with. Like they wanted Kalani. Like we we, um, yeah. they they made a push at him multiple times throughout the last week. And ultimately the reason he wanted to, the reason he didn't get the job at Oregon is because he told him his priority was to come back to BYU and Oregon wanted to, to pick his staff for him. So and that's why I wasn't nervous. Kalani's a BYU guy. Right. Kalani wants to be the Polynesian Lavelle Edwards. Lavelle Edwards was never going to Oregon. And that's right. what I think, you know, I, it was reported that, you know, the turnoff for Oregon was Kalani's hesitancy to leave BYU. You know, they didn't seem like he was all in on, you know, leaving BYU and coming to Oregon. And that's just Kalani for you. He wants to be a BYU. He's a BYU guy. He bleeds royal blue and navy blue. This is this is Kalani's <laughs> talking we're talking about. Like, that's, that's the thing is, like, he would have left if BYU wasn't willing to give him the resources. And I never thought that BYU would be unwilling to give him the resources. Or at least Tom Holmo in the athletic department would be unwilling to give him the resources. The only question is, is if, you know, upper campus and the powers that really be at BYU would be willing to give him the resources. And at the end of the day, I think BYU had no choice but to give him the resources because it was either give Kalani the resources now or wait two years and get to the Big 12 and realize that you, you have to have those resources and you're giving them to someone else. Uh, so, so, I mean, like you said, Joe, you know, there were reports that it was close. There was not necessarily a formal offer, but I don't know. For whatever reason, in my heart of hearts, never was nervous. I think I think it says a lot because I think, Hunter, you touched on this really, really well, that, you know, were, was Upper Campus willing to invest in Kalani? Because, you know, you look at Tom Homo, and he was, he was never going to be the problem. Uh, he's always been a, 
a big BYU sports guy. Obviously, he's a big Kalani guy. Uh, fought to extend him uh, even during times where we were finishing seven and six. So that, like that was never going to be an issue. Um, but to see upper campus be able to respond in a way where they say, okay, like we're going to give Kalani what he wants. That is a sign of, in my opinion, success to come uh, because a, a school that is functioning together for a common goal rather than, you know, two parties constantly fighting with one another uh, is one that leads to a lot of success. And so I'm really excited about that. I, you know, obviously don't know what went on in these meetings, but apparently there was enough discussion and enough agreement to say we need to have Kalani stay here. And in doing so, we need to add those 10 to 15 guys. I know one of the rumors was a nutritionist uh, team, which would be huge for the health um, and conditioning of our players as well. And so just to see kind of that um, that cohesion, this group working together uh, to make BYO athletics uh, better, I think says a lot going forward and moving into the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. I, the... And I, I think you guys all know it. The, the biggest thing about this was the message that it sent. Um, but more more importantly, especially as like with signing day approaching, one of the reasons I was nervous is because BYU had finally like gained so much steam in recruiting. Um, like look at the look at the people that look at the athletes that BYU has committed um, since since the Big Twelve. You got guys like Cody Hagen, four star. You got guys like Ice Moa, four star. You got guys like uh, the McKenzie twins were were super on the verge about. Uh, coming to BYU and with all these rumors flying around, it, it made things really tricky, but now they're coming to BYU. Joe Brown is a Virginia commit coming to BYU. These are all uh, like, if you averaged out their 24 uh, seven star rating, it'd be around like an 87 thereabouts, which is absolutely P five level. So I feel like with Kalani staying with um, the big 12 invite, I feel like that. Oh, and I forgot Kingsley Sui Mataia. Um, that is a sign of things to come on the recruiting trail. Um, I think my favorite thing that I saw all last week was the Oregon uh, contingent talking about what a bad recruiter Kalani is. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, yes, please keep thinking that because we will continue <laughs> to steal your players from you. Um, like as far as the high school recruiting goes, I get your point. But in the last year, he's landed Samson Nakua, Puka Nakua, Kingsley Suamataia. Um, I mean, we're still up in the air about like guys like Jade Knott, who's a four-star running back out of Norco, California. Um, who we'll see where he signs tomorrow. And then Keontae Scott, who's a four-star cornerback, who's down to BYU and Auburn, um, who, who was on his official visit last weekend. Like the, the, the momentum that BYU has in recruiting is solely because of Kalani. Like it's, it's, it's not just the big 12 invite. Like you lose Kalani, you lose those, you lose those recruits and you're starting over uh, and you're back on the five year rebuild plan. So I, I'm stoked that they re-signed Kalani because, honestly, no matter who he gets on the roster, I think his teams can be successful because of the culture, um, and because he's a he's a brilliant X's and O's mind. But now that the recruits are going to start filing in, um, I mean, the, the, my blue goggles are like stupid bright right now, and I'm just <laughs> really excited for the future of the program. Um, but with that, like, kind of wanted to pivot to, to recruiting talk. Is there anyone that you guys are excited about um, that uh, BYU is signing or might sign tomorrow that you're looking at? I, I'm i looking at those that have committed, and I'm not necessarily looking – I am looking at names, obviously, because the names are attached to times. 
Um, but I'm just looking at a BYU receiving core that has something that BYU has not necessarily lacked, but is something that I would have liked to see uh, on a BYU receiving core, and that's just warp speed. Uh, oh. Bringing in guys, Cody Hagan, 10-5-2, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, 10-5-7, uh, Dominique McKenzie, 10-6-0. These are their 100 times, by the way. These, are, Yeah, 100-meter times. This is not This is not common. Like, take it from As a guy. juniors in high school. Juniors yes. in high school. <laughs> yeah, take take this from a guy who, not to flex, but has seen and has experienced and has competed at a very high level at, in high school track. This is not normal. Uh, these are guys that are running times that maybe one guy, one time in a year runs, but even then it's like 10, 6, 5. Uh, you, you maybe see a guy that is, you know, called super fast and they're, 1071. Uh these guys these guys have burners and and that's just a dynamic that adds to this the danger of this BYU offense. Uh now you have to worry corners have to worry about covering their receivers. Uh Jaron's going to have a ton of time to be able to run. I mean this just the speed on these guys is just absolutely unreal. I tweeted about it the other day. Uh but Cody Hagan and Isaiah McKenzie both would have qualified for regionals in college. Uh, which is like the semifinals for nationals. And most years, Dominic McKenzie would have made it as well. Uh, These are times that are competitive amongst the best of the best that college track has to offer. uh, And we have them suiting up and putting on helmets at BYU. And the best part about that is that it's not just that they're fast, they're good football players. I think like we've talked about the, we've talked about the BYU recruiting philosophy of like measurables, the Ed Lamb philosophy. Um, this isn't that this isn't BYU, like pulling a kid off the track and saying like, okay, you're six, two, you run a, a 10, five. Let's, let's stick you on the field. Like a Luke. Can you catch a ball? The old, <laughs> yeah. uh, Ziggy Ansa approach. Yeah. Which is great. And it, it's worked for BYU for many years, but like McKenzie, uh, the McKenzie brothers and Cody Hagan, they're, they are legit football players. Uh, like Cody Hagan, I think led the nation in receiving, which like, and, and keep in mind a lot of his stuff, like one, he's always open, but a lot of the plays he ran at corner Canyon were literally just give it to Cody Hagan in the flat and let him make something happen. And he does every time he touches the ball. So no, I'm, I'm with you, Hunter, having those burners that, that sounds really fun. And um, it's, it's Marcus and uh, I can't remember the, other twins name off the top of my head dom right um marcus is a corner which is awesome uh so we're, we're gonna have that speed on the back end as well and then dom is a wide receiver so uh really looking forward to having them but what about you hunter i mean this is the official signing of kingsley right i think he already signed I thought he was saying like he had a countdown starting in like a few days, or was that until it might have been eligibility for like, him to semester join ends, the team. I guess. Yeah, yeah, he already signed. Otherwise, BYU wouldn't be able to talk about him. But um... I guess that's true. All right, well, McKenzie twins then. Also Kingsley. Yeah, even though he's that's... already signed. <laughs> I'll take King... um... I'll take Kingsley, and then uh, also obviously the McKenzie twins. Uh, I mean. Bronco Mendenhall leaving Virginia was the best thing to happen for BYU <laughs> going into the signing day, it seems like. I mean, how many flips is that now? Three or four uh, people have, who have now decommitted from Virginia and are committed to BYU. So, yeah, it was uh, three of them. 
Bronco doing it. BYU, yet another solid. So I'm a big fan of that guy now. Yeah, he's he's been a big winner for BYU this year, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think the one I'm most probably most excited for as as far as like actual signees tomorrow is the entirety of this offensive line class. Um, obviously you got Kingsley Suamatia, you got Joe Brown, who's a, a high three-star kid. Um, then you got Peter Falonico, who's a big uh, four-star or sorry, high three-star, six-three, three oh five. Uh Talon uh or Talon, I'm gonna butcher this, Togai uh, is going to play along the offensive line. He's six, six, uh, two ninety. You got Trevin Osler who coaches are really excited about. He's six, five, uh, two forty, but that'll obviously go up. But like the, the offensive line talent coming down the pipeline is awesome for BYU. And then you couple that with who BYU already has on the roster. I think next year's offensive line could be the best in school history. Uh, which is kind of crazy to say, but like this offensive line right now, if you look at the PFF numbers, this is a top 10 offensive line in the country and they're getting better next year. And they bring everybody back except Joe Tukwafu and they're bringing in a five-star talent. So is he confirmed leaving? Uh, I think he's out of eligibility. Is he not? I mean, he's, no. my, he's my age and my grade in high school. And I've been graduated for a year a, and a half, I, but he obviously had his transfer and then sitting. I was under the impression he was, he was a redshirt senior. I don't know. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if he still had eligibility just because he like sat out a year because he class was doing, junior. Yeah. Really? Okay, so maybe he could come back. Return but like with the COVID but even year then, too. Like, what do you do? Do you move Harris Lachance inside? Do you? <laughs> do you move Campbell Barrington? Like Connor pay is probably going to run the center position, but like Clark and uh, Clark and Blake Freeland have those tackle spots and guard spots line locked up. But like, and then where do you put Kingsley? Do you put him on the right side or the left side? Like it's just embarrassment of riches on the offensive lines. I got options. It's great. Um, Big name though, to watch out for tomorrow is Keontae Scott. Um, He's yet to sign anywhere. It's looking like he's leaning Auburn. He was, but he was on a visit at BYU this weekend. Seemed to have a, a really great time. Um, it's down between him and Auburn. Um, he's a four-star corner out of Snow College, uh, and BYU isn't in the running for guys like him very often. Sure. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if they can if they can pull off the miracle. But if they can land uh, him, and then I hear that uh, the transfer portal is going to be blown up for BYU over the next couple weeks. Um, Let's go. Again, this recruiting class, it's already top 50 um, when you factor in transfers. Uh, this, I mean, depending if everything goes BYU's way, it could be like top 30, uh, which is, which is scary. Top 30, top 40 when it's all said and done. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, signing day tomorrow is going to be a lot of fun or today, as you guys are probably listening to the podcast on Wednesday. <laughs> so we'll probably know all the answers. Um, yeah. So maybe my long rant about my long rant about Keontae Scott will be for nothing. So <laughs> hopefully that's not the case. But, wow. If, he's, if he signs with BYU, it, this probably is what did it for him. Yeah. True. The tipping point. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Um, okay. Moving on from, uh, recruiting, recruiting business. Um, BYU has a game this week. Does it, has, anyone, has anyone noticed? 
like I haven't really seen any chatter about it on the on the internet, but like BYU does in fact have a game this week. They're playing an eight and four UAB team. Um, we we talked about Lasers. it kind of at length. Uh, yeah, uh, we've talked about it kind of at length um, on the on the podcast last week, but uh, kind of want to get your vibe if anything's changed. Like, how are you? How are you feeling about uh, the bowl game itself, but also BYU's chances to come over with the W on uh, Saturday? We'll talk. We'll start with you, Trevor. Um, I think one of the things that uh, has changed for me. I mean, we and we addressed this last week as well. Just the further away we got from the initial disappointment of, of no NY six was just understanding that we get to play one or excuse me, we get to watch these guys play one more football game uh, this year in what's been a very, very special and successful season. Uh, Uriah pointed out earlier today in an interview that uh, Kalani made it a point to kind of help them uh, as you could you know, naturally understand the team was a little bit disappointed as we were uh, to not get a bull and, and potentially in this case, not get maybe an opponent that quite matched uh, the season that BYU had. Uh, but they, they turned it around, uh, understood that they get to play football uh, one more time this year. And so as a fan, I'm, I'm matching that. Um, I, looking at this UAB team, it's, it's tough um, because I mean, they're eight and four for a reason. Uh, this this team has won quite a few games. Um, it, it's just it's just who they're playing. It, it's hard to honestly say like, oh, this team's really good, and it's hard to write them off as not being very good, just purely based off of who they're playing. Uh, in Conference USA, they gave uh, UTSA a hard time, uh, almost beat them. Frankly, uh, lost on a touchdown, scored in the last six seconds and UTSA has had a great season this year, uh, but they got blown out by Liberty. So uh, who we get on Saturday, uh, I think will determine how hard of a game this will be for, for BYU. Look, UAB is a football team out of conference USA. That plays in Birmingham, Alabama. And that's really all you got to say about the Blazers. Uh, from from down there in the south, and will, they'll be playing a state over in Louisiana, in Shreveport. The and, disrespect. Uh, and uh, the Cougars will be taking on the Blazers, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, those are my keys to the game, things to watch. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's it's gonna be awesome. I mean it's BYU football, right? Who's not gonna get jacked to watch BYU football? Uh, I've made my feelings on bowl games very apparent over the last couple of weeks here on this uh, little podcast we do. Uh, and, and so, you know, at the end of the day, it's BYU football. Like it's Tyler Algier running the ball. Uh, he has the potential to uh, to reach second all time in BYU rushing touchdowns if he gets a four touchdown game, which sounds like a lot, but that is nothing for Tyler Algier. That just sounds like a Wednesday afternoon after he's done serving burgers at Backdoor <laughs> Burger uh, down there in Provo. So uh, four touchdowns, not out of the question for Tyler Algier. Uh, and he can he can jump into second place all time in that BYU rushing touchdown list. I'm just excited to watch the Cougars take the field one last time in 2021. Uh, all eyes on 2022, obviously, with the signing class and, and you know, one, one season closer to the Big 12. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, like, I get nervous for every game 
I think I'm nervous for this one too. And and the question <laughs> is, is like it's it's like what Trevor said. What what team shows up for both teams, right? Um, UAB is so a little bit of background on their season. Um, they're eight and four. Um, notable opponents. They got blown out fifty six to seven by Georgia, um, which is kind of to be expected. They lost to Liberty, <laughs> uh, UTSA. Um, they really don't have any. I don't know, wins that I would say are necessarily like that jump out at you. Like they beat North Texas, uh, 40 to six. Now the mean green, it's a big time win for the Blazers, but like they're North Texas is six and six, uh, Louisiana tech, like North Texas beat UTSA. Yes, they did. And they lost close to you and, uh, UAB lost close to UTSA. Um, it's, it seems like this is a team that got better as the season went on. Um, they, they were losing big early in the season. Uh, they lost closer late in the season. But, like, I don't think this is a game that BYU – BYU is obviously good enough to do it, but I'm not sure I see a game where BYU, like, runs away with this. That's not who BYU has been all season. Um, but these are kind of the, the stats that stick out to me. Um they run the ball two thirds of the time, um, 470 attempts rushing to 200 to 263 passing. Um, their quarterback's really efficient. Uh, he's got a 164 passer rating, which is like Baylor Romney level this season. Um, he actually plays kind of similar to Baylor. That's how it looks to me. Um, but, uh, he averages 9.8 yards an attempt. He's not going to throw the ball all over the field, but like they will, pick their times when they take their shots. Um, they have an awesome running back in Dwayne McBride. He averages seven yards a carry, um, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, but the part that makes me the, the most nervous is that they're 11th in rush defense uh, in, in the country. So this isn't a game I feel like – I know it's UAB and that it sounds like it's it's a lousy opponent, but like – this is a team that can beat BYU if BYU doesn't come to play. And so that's the question is, is will they come out to play? So Hunter kind of want to throw it to you. What team do you think we're going to see out of BYU on, on Saturday? I think it's going to be the BYU team that we've seen pretty much over the course of the entire season. Honestly, I'm looking at this game like a 2020 BYU UCF bowl game where the BYU wow. offense just is on all game. It's never really close, high scoring, right? Like, I think we 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 overthink what this BYU team is going to have on their minds coming into it, right? Like, we talk about all oh, the disappointment of, you know, are they a New Year's Six Bowl team or not? And they're just on the outside looking in. Are they going to come out slow because they're going to wish that they were – like, none of that, I think – necessarily matters because this BYU team is going to come out and they're going to come out and be ready to play. And that's just how Kalani Satake is with his teams each and every game for the most part. Uh, you know, we were having the same conversation a year ago when they went to the Boca Raton Bowl after missing out on a New Year's Six Bowl game. Uh, you know, I'm not worried about this BYU team coming out and being focused and being ready to play. And it's also just against a lesser opponent, right? Like a team BYU should beat Yes, you know, UAB has only has four losses. Um, those are, you know, Conference USA losses, though. And, and 
you know, they had a great season. Hats off to them, right? Respect for the Blazers down there in old Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, but BYU is just a better team, and I think they'll show it uh, this weekend on Saturday. Yeah, I think a lot of this will fall on, um, you know, I, I look at the rush defense uh, again, everything that kind of Hunter pointed out. Um, I I don't want to ignore. I mean, obviously, you know, they have a formula for stopping the run that works, but it works in conference USA. Uh, so does that work against a BYU offensive line that should be healthier than it's been in a while against a Tyler Algier who should be fresher than he has been in a while? Um, and that's the thing that I expect also to see from BYU as well, is this is a team that uh, Uriah said they've been practicing, but this is a team that should naturally be a little bit healthier and have a little bit more pep in their step, uh, given just the time off. Um, and and I can, you know, I can see this game being big for Tyler Algier uh, if we can get him going. Um, the other person that I'm watching in this game is going to be Jaron Hall. Uh, One of the things that I noticed from film is that UAB likes to run a lot of man coverage. Uh, So I expect Jaron to take a lot of deep shots uh, to Puka, to Samson, to Keanu Hill. Uh, The question is, you know, are we going to get the Baylor game uh, where he was on almost every single throw? Or are we going to get more of the Georgia Southern where maybe he's a little bit more hit hit and miss? Um, I could see this game being a lot like the Georgia Southern game where it's clear that we're in control the whole time, uh, but there are times because of UAB's run game, uh, because of their willingness to run the football, uh, that it appears closer than it probably really is um, until we force a couple of turnovers like we have all year um, and create some separation on the scoreboard. For sure. The key the key to the game um, is really just going to – it's going to come down to the BYU defense. Um, this is a team that likes to control the ball. Um UAB is kind of like a BYU fan's worst nightmare from that perspective where they're, I mean, they're just really consistent at, at running the football. They average four and a half yards of carry as a team um, and they run the ball a lot. So, and, and I know that, I mean, their defense is as good as they are on uh, against the run. They still give up. Uh, they, I mean, they can still give up big plays like, they, they did a great job of uh, taking away the the run against UTSA. They only gave up 52 yards against Sincere McCormick, who's, who's a stud running back. Um, but they also gave up 320 yards through the air. So I, I agree with you, Hunter, or sorry, Trevor, that the, the, the key is the quarterback play from BYU. Um, and, and it's kind of like what we talked about with the Virginia podcast, where it was passed to set up the run. Um, show that you can beat them over the top, score quick, move fast, um, and then force UAB to, to keep up. Because I think if if you can force UAB to throw the football consistently, I think you can force Dylan Hopkins to make mistakes. He's he's uh, 15 touchdowns, six picks. So like he's not immune from uh, from making mistakes by any means. Um, if, if you do force him to throw a lot, I think uh, that, I mean, that definitely works out in BYU's favor. And you got Jacob Robinson and Malik Moore patrolling the uh, – uh, patrolling the back end for BYU. So that's not really a concern for me. Um, it's really just can BYU get off the field. And if, if they can, this will be a game that BYU wins going away. Um, if they can't, then it'll be another really ugly Georgia Southern type USF type game where yes, BYU is the better team, but like can 
UAB do enough to to make it interesting at the end, right? Um, but but with that, like as far as predictions go, um, I'm probably leaning more towards my predictions 35-24. Um, I, I think that BYU is going to be able to score the ball um, and score it consistently. This I just don't know if they're going to get enough possessions. Um, this this is a BYU team that. Like they can't really, it's it's hard for them to get over that 40 point threshold unless they're playing a Bronco men and hall defense. Like, I mean, besides, besides that game, BYU is a 33, 34 points a game offense. So um, I expect more of the same. I think this BYU team is going to come fired up uh, because of the Kalani situation. It's a done deal. There's going to be a lot of momentum surrounding the program. Um, And I think he's going to have them ready to play. I think, uh, UAB is going to be able to put up uh, put up some points um, and and make this one a little bit ugly, but I think BYU uh, wins this one by ten plus. Yeah, I think I'm going to mirror you with that. Um, my my prediction is thirty eight twenty four. Give me the Cougs forty two to twenty. Let's go. I will take they that. Forty. I will take that all day. Because um, at the end of the day, win the bowl game, finish in the top ten. Uh, and then all will be right with the world because losses are going to happen in front of BYU. So um, as far as hot takes go, I am going to say, you know what? Tyler Algier is going to break the single season rushing record at BYU. He needs about one. uh, It's like 174, isn't it? It's a lot. It's 174, but it worked for it worked for Hunter against uh, against Virginia. So that's that's oh, yeah. that's my hot take. Uh, he's he's gonna go. He's gonna break the record and uh, and uh, rack up two touchdowns. Uh, my hot take is that Joe's gonna be wrong about Tyler Algier getting two touchdowns. He's actually gonna get four touchdowns, and he's Woo! gonna <laughs> become number two all time in BYU rushing touchdowns for a career. Boom. Love it. All right. My hot take is that Jaron Hall adds uh, another two touchdowns himself, one through the air and one on the ground. Love it. Points. Give me all the points. Touchdowns, left and right. That's what we need. It's a clean, it's a clean, uh, shocker. It's a clean sweep of uh, BYU predictions. (laughs) Never would have thought it. I think the only one who's ever picked against BYU, I think, was uh, was Hunter against Baylor. Yeah, I right. nailed it, unfortunately. Yeah, screw you, Hunter. <laughs> uh, what can I say? Our, uh, that closes our bowl game segment of the show. Um, now we get to move into the fun stuff. Um, next week will be our uh, bowl recap, season recap award show, uh, where we will be... Um, giving out the official BYU hype train awards. So we're going to uh, read off the award. Um, and then each of us will give a nominee of, uh, of who we think should get it. And then uh, we'll send out a Google link um, from our, just keep an eye out for a Google link from our, uh, from our official podcast account uh, so that you guys can vote on the winner and we'll read them at uh, on next week's show. Uh, so first one, uh, we got the Beck to Harleen play of the year. Hunter, we'll start with your pick. Yeah, uh, you know, when you talk about signature plays of the season, you have to nominate Tyler Algier punch out versus Arizona State. Naturally. 
That's my nominee for the Beck to Harleen play of the year. What about you, uh, Chuck? All right. My nominee for the year is uh, Jaron Hall with his 18-yard run that snapped a 12-year streak on third down against Utah. Came in clutch that entire game, and no play was more clutch than that. That one was underrated. The entire game, I was nervous as all get out that uh, BYU was going to blow it. That was the first moment that I actually let myself celebrate when he broke down the (laughs) sideline, ran into the end zone. Yes, it was taken back, but at the end of the day, it was probably better for BYU that it got called back because BYU is able to chew up another, uh, you know, five minutes minutes off the clock and then kick the, kick the field goal that that put it out of reach. So that was the the play where you looked at this BYU team and you thought, okay, this is a different BYU team than in years past. The closers. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then uh, Tyler Algier punch out. That was certainly a a culture defining type play. Um, But mine is actually the uh, Caleb Hayes game clinching tackle against USC. Uh, Caleb Hayes had an awesome game against, uh, against SC, but that play where he stopped. um, Oh my gosh. He went to my high school. How can I not remember his name? But whoever the the USC wide receiver was um, stopped him one yard short of the first down uh, and preserved the 10 win season for BYU, which uh, nine is a lot different than 10. And I think we're thinking a lot differently about this BYU team if he doesn't make that tackle. So uh, game-saving, potentially even season-saving tackle for uh, from Caleb Hayes. So that's my nominee. Uh, we'll go with the uh, next with the hype train interview of the year. Who's nominating first? Uh, we'll just go, Hunter. We'll start with you on all these. Yeah, the uh, nominee, first nominee for the hype Hyped interview of the year is Mason Wake on the Hype Train podcast. Shout out to Mason. Naturally. That's the winner. <laughs> Voting close. Maybe. We'll see. Got to leave it Maybe. up to the people. Maybe. My nominee is the Uriah Leotow after the Utah game where he wasn't going to go party because he had to get up to go to church. <laughs> Book it. Incredible. Uh, my favorite is actually this week. Aaron Roderick goes on the, uh, the Hans Olsen show earlier this week on 1280 The Zone. And they're the, uh, uh, I can't, he's the voice of the Aggies. I'm blanking on all kinds of names. Scott, today, but Scott Gerard. Scott Gerard. Uh, Scott Gerard is listing off all the great things that BYU accomplished this year and how they're all these doubters and uh, like, yeah, but people who were discounting what BYU had accomplished, but they silenced all those doubters this year and beat Utah and all those things. And Aaron Roderick just goes, yeah, but Cam Rising didn't play us. And Utah had a Utah fans had a conniption fit because Aaron Roderick said exactly what they've been saying all year long. So just because Aaron <laughs> Roderick had the courage to show Utah fans how dumb they sound, that is my interview of the year nominee. Uh, next, we got the hyped moment of the year. This is our favorite moment uh, uh, being a BYU fan this year. Um, I'll actually start this one uh, and get it out of the way now. BYU beating Utah uh, was. Uh, Pro as as big as uh, other things that will be listed here later, um, this win over Utah, in my opinion, is as big as BYU making a New Year's Six from a program standpoint. Um, in in most seasons, I would say, oh, it's just another game. But like ending the streak this year went to end the narrative from a recruiting perspective and from an emotional perspective that Utah is the dominant program in the state. Um, and it's not just it's not just that BYU won; it's how they won. Um, and so I, I think that was, that's a program defining win moving forward, uh, for Kiwanis Taka in this program. Uh, Hunter, what about you? 
Yeah, the hyped moment of the year. Other nominee is, of course, BYU getting the invite to the Big 12 in the same week that they beat Utah. So, what a great I weekend. mean, really, you could sum it up in, as that's one moment, just those, you know, six days as a BYU fan. But uh, <laughs> the hyped for, weekend for of the, the year. For the purpose of these awards, the second nominee is the uh, Big 12 invite. And the third nominee is BYU beating Bronco and the University of Virginia in shootout fashion. Uh, Bronco's first time back in Lavelle Edwards Stadium since he led the Cougars. Uh, BYU in an explosive seven second half put up 66 points in probably one of the most entertaining late night ESPN games I have ever seen. For real. That was crack for college football fans. <laughs> uh, newcomer of the year, Hunter, who's your guy? Yeah, newcomer of the year, first nominee is going to be Jacob Robinson, transfer from Utah State. He had, I think he's tied with Malik Moore currently for the team lead in interceptions with three. Yeah, he's been awesome this year. Uh, Trevor? Uh, we, I'm going to go with uh, newcomers of the year, the Nakua brothers. Uh, obviously, in my opinion, brought so much swag and so much attitude. Joe mentioned earlier beating Utah. Uh, just that program defining win. Uh, I think that falls on the back of a lot of these transfers. And I think specifically on the Nakua's for a program refining attitude um, and giving BYU an attitude of, of winning um, and putting the nail in the coffin when the game is close. Yeah. Uh, there's that scripture where it talks about like in life, they were not, uh, they uh in life they were not divided and in death they were not separated that's the nukuas uh i'm with you trevor they might be my pick just because of the culture change that they brought to byu i don't think byu beats utah without them without that swag that they, they bring to the field um but uh last nominee is caleb hayes uh he came on really strong i I don't think he got burned once this season. He was just locked down in one-on-one -on -one coverage, uh, did a fantastic job um, against receivers who were, you know, all uh, like fantastic Pac-12 receivers. He, he, uh, he did his thing. So uh, shout out to Caleb Hayes. I think he might've been our best corner this year. So uh, shout out to him on that. Um, the Jamal Williams award, the player with the most swag and charisma Hunter, who's your guy? I mean, you can't talk about swag and charisma without talking about Samson Nakua, what he does on and off the field. The guy is just oozing uh, with every bit of personality and, you know, ounce of swag that you can get out of a college football player. He's been awesome, obviously, uh, on the field and in the locker room as well. So Samson Nakua, first nominee for the Jamal Williams Swag and Charisma Award. Gotta love the smiley face eye black. So just love, love Samson. Iconic. So much fun. Uh, my nominee is the safety himself with the wing stop NIL deal, Malik Moore. He's been all over the field all year, uh, making one-handed interceptions against Utah State, uh, picking off the ball and uh, dropping a couple along the way against Washington State. But we we love Malik all the same, and, and he has a swag for days. So he is my uh, nominee. The self-proclaimed leaky, leaky, boom, boom uh, from the preseason <laughs> video, if you guys remember that. That was the moment he won my heart over right there. Um, my pick is Uriah, uh, Uriah Leotawa. Um, there is not a better interview on this team 
than Uriah Lantala. Him in his anime loving, high energy celebrating uh going to church. Yeah, church loving individual. <laughs> he is uh he's another guy that is just like he defines the culture of this BYU team. I think the quote of the year uh for me for him was besides the church one was before the season. Um, he's like talking about the doubters and he goes, guys, we're not Amish. We have the internet. Like we see what you guys are saying about us. Um, and you know what? He was proven right. What a guy. Uh, dude was proven right. Um, all right. We're going to go with the Christian Stewart award. Uh, the guy who stepped up most when needed. Um, my pick is uh, Jackson McChesney um, came in big time, similar to Caleb Hayes saved the season uh, when Tyler Algier couldn't go against uh, USC at the end of the game. He came in. Uh, on three huge rushes, including the game-winning touchdown. Uh, huge, huge for him to just come off the bench and uh, huge for him to just come off the bench and uh, dominate the game like that. Yeah, we got two. I got two nominees for this. Uh, the first being Baylor Romney. Uh, obviously coming in, starting games in place of Jaron Hall was lights out even to the point where some fans thought Baylor could possibly be the starter moving forward. Obviously, Jaron uh, balled out afterwards, but uh, Baylor Romney obviously gets those big wins, uh, you know, against South Florida. And I believe he came in, was the Utah State was the other one as well. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, a couple big wins under the belt of Baylor Romney this year, uh, as well as Campbell Barrington filling in uh, along that offensive line for the Cougars, stepping up when needed when guys were going down with injury. Uh, came in and really filled in pretty much seamlessly along that BYU offensive line, helping Tyler Algier uh, get all those incredible stats that he's been able to get this year. Yeah, no, my uh, my nominee actually matches perfectly with Hunter. I'm also going with uh, Campbell Barrington, uh, the kid, the freshman from Spokane, Washington, who was uh, thrust into the offensive line. Uh, due to injuries, had to step in for Harris LeChance, uh, really had to step in in a couple areas and did absolutely amazing. Uh, the kid doesn't even have his man strength yet, so his mean streak is going to get meaner. Any word on when he becomes a dad? That's that's really when the strength kicks in. <laughs> I mean, we don't want to turn him into Thanos just yet. <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, all right. Uh, next one is the Peisman award. Uh, this, this is a award that needs to be brought back. It's the greatest award in college football, but we're going to do it with BYU. Um, I'm actually going to throw a curveball on this one, uh, since he's actually not listed on our list, but he has to be, uh, Mason wake. That dude is the heart and soul of this BYU offense. There's a noticeable difference versus when he plays and when he does not. Um, and it's not just the hurdling. I think my favorite play did not involve a hurdle from him at all. It was that catch and run against USC where he he's running along, uh, cuts back to the middle of the field and literally runs backwards so that he can hit a USC player. <laughs> that dude just loves contact and he serves up pancakes uh, like he's a wait, like he's a waiter at Denny's. So I am uh, all aboard Mason Wake. Uh, he is my number one pick for this award. Yeah, I got to go with my uh, former high school teammate. Uh, sat next to him in English class, Joe Tukuafu. Uh, he's got the little neck roll going, which is, you know, you pretty much a, a requirement for anyone to take home the Piesman is you got to have the neck roll going. Uh, Joe Tukuafu has been a monster along that offensive line. A converted tight end uh, from when he first got to BYU. He's been awesome. 
There's something in the Spokane water because the other nominee for Peisman is Clark Barrington, uh, Cam's older brother, uh, who has been absolutely amazing today, has been a guy that started from day one. Um, and I think most importantly has been able to remain healthy most of the season. Uh, big time offensive lineman. We appreciate both of the Barringtons, but uh, Clark in this case is my nominee for the Peisman. You're muted, Joe. Yeah, it's been it's been a year, and I still can't figure this out. Um, <laughs> my my, uh, we got three awards left. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year. My uh, my uh, nominee is going to be Peyton Wilgar. Um, I know he got hurt at the end of the year, um, isn't able to finish the season, unfortunately. Um, but again, dude was uh, in the long line of BYU linebackers. Um, Peyton Wilgar is the next in line. He's got elite hands. Elite. He's, he's fantastic in coverage. Um, he was definitely the, the second best run defender we had behind Keenan Peely. Um, and sneakily, I think he was our best pass rusher uh, as well. He, um, especially early in the season, he came up with some huge sacks against, uh, against Utah and Arizona that really, uh, really shifted the tide in those games. Um, and for those reasons, uh, he's my, he's my nominee. My nominee for Defensive Player of the Year is going to be Ben Bywater. Kind of flew under the radar. If you could guess who BYU's leading tackler, both in solo and total tackles, is, and who's third on the list in tackles for a loss, I don't think many BYU fans would be able to say that it's Ben Bywater, but he does lead BYU in solo tackles and total tackles, and it's not really close between him and the guy who's in second place. I believe it's Max Tooley in second place in both of those categories. He's like 20 more solo tackles and 35 more total tackles. Uh, Ben Bywater gets my nomination for the defensive player of the year. He might be the Christian Stewart award guy too. Like with all the, (laughs) with all the attrition along that BYU linebacking court, he's been a constant this year and he's been constantly good. So um, he's actually BYU's highest rated tackler on PFF for what it's worth. Um, which for for BYU we know that fans, yeah, yeah, we we know that that's been a weakness on this BYU team, and he's been a one of the lone bright spots. So, Trevor, what about you? Uh, yeah, my nominee is another repeat uh, from the Jamal Williams Award. Uh, the swag man himself. Uh, you said leaky, leaky, boom, boom. Yeah, I I, I must have missed <laughs> I must have missed that, but but he he made a couple of booms this year. Uh, three picks tied with Jacob Robinson for team lead. Uh, if I remember right, that's good for 33rd uh, in the nation. Um, so this is a free safety who walks the walk, but he also talks the talk. Fantastic. Uh, let's. So we'll move to the offensive side of the ball now. Uh, my nominee for offensive player of the year is Clark Barrington. Um, you gotta, you gotta give the big guys some love for as good as this BYU offensive line has been uh Clark Barrington has been the best um he's a second team all-american this year according to the sporting news um he uh, is also the highest graded offensive lineman uh in PFF um in both not not pass block but uh run blocking um he posted an 84.3 grade uh which is an NFL grade so he's got a future ahead of him and we already know he's coming back next year uh so got to give love to Clark uh never missed a game um he was he was constant. 
uh, for this B, this BYU team along that offensive line. Um, and Tyler Algier isn't who he is um, if, if Clark Barrington isn't who he is. So got to give him the nod. Uh, but what about you, Hunter? Yeah, I'm going to throw a curveball. I'm going to take off the guy we have listed third on our list. And instead, I'm going to go with Jaron Hall as my nominee for the Offensive Player of the Year. Obviously, you can't talk about any offensive award without talking about your starting quarterback, especially a quarterback that leads you to 10 wins on the season. Does, does he get the season stamp of approval for balled out? Balling. Uh, we'll see. If he takes home the award, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, what about you, man? It's, it's up to Cougar Nation, it sounds like. But, uh, of course, if you're going to talk about the starting quarterback, you got to talk about who he's throwing to. Uh, my nomination is Puka Nakua. Uh, we obviously love the Nakuas here. We love Puka, uh, one of the best one-on-one jump ball receivers in the country. Uh, obviously has made a ton of plays, whether it was against Virginia um, or going against those big power five corners in Baylor. Um, we're going to see Puka make a lot of plays. Um, and so far this year, uh, he's made a ton of plays. And for that, he's going to be my Offensive Player of the Year nominee. Uh, honorable mention as well, if, if we want to throw this in there as well as Neil Pau. Um, I feel like he Absolutely. deserves a shout out on this BYU team. Led the team in receptions. Um, unfortunately, went out with a, with a season-ending ankle injury. Um, but what a baller move to go out on a touchdown. Like, his, his <laughs> last catch, maybe even of his BYU career, was uh, was breaking his ankle uh, to, to get one extra yard and score a touchdown for the team. So um, he's probably, he's definitely the most improved from last season, but I uh, feel like we need to give him a shout out as well. Part of, uh, part last, of the Cougar award goes to yeah. Neil. There, there's no, there's no voting on that. That's, that's just what it is. Voting is um, All right. Now the, now the big one, the BYU hype train MVP of the year. I feel like we could all just say this one on three, but we're, we're going to list off the nominees anyway. Uh, Trevor, take it away. I mean, I, if you want to count to three, we can, but uh, no, we're one, I'm going. One, two, three. Tyler, Tyler Algier. is the first nominee. <laughs> it's the first nominee. Uh, Thor, Thor himself. Uh, Superman. Superman. And the Incredible Hulk, all just mashed into one, um, has made plays for us all year, has frankly won us games all year, um, and has really carried the load. It's a wonder he doesn't have back problems. Uh, Tyler Algier is our MVP nominee. Uh, I'm going to go with Jaron Hall um, as my nominee, to, to Hunter's point. You can't talk about how good this offense has been without without looking at your quarterback. Um, he has been sneakily one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, right now, he's, he's uh, 25th in PFF with, uh, with an 89.2 grade. Um, he's got a passer rating of 155, uh, which is, I mean, Zach Wilson spoiled this last year. Uh, but that's that's stupid good. It's better than almost any quarterback BYU has had in the last decade. Um, but most of all, twenty. Um, he took care of the ball. Four to one, a four to one uh, touchdown to INT ratio is incredible. So, and and he was one of the best deep ball passers in college football this year as well. Um, so to to throw the deep ball as well as he has, um, and to re- be relatively turnover free. Uh, 
has been exceptional work from Jaron. So uh, he's my he's my uh, nominee for MVP. My nominee is going to be someone on the defensive side of the ball, because uh, again, we got we got too much offense here in these final nominees. And again, I'm going to go with Ben Bywater. Uh, just when you when you're all over the field like Ben has been this season, uh, again, you know, I think it's what like 95 tackles on the year, something you know, 90 plus tackles, uh, and no one else on your team has even eclipsed 60 tackles for the season. Like you're doing something right, and I know you know Joe, you talked about it, BYU fans and their issues with the tackling. So uh, if there's been one guy who's excelled in that area this year for BYU football. It's been Ben Bywater uh, leading the team in tackles solo and total, uh, as well as being up there in the top three for tackles for a loss. So got to put Ben Bywater up there as my nominee for the team MVP. And then are we doing a Johnny Linehan award for best special teamer? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. This is I the mean, most important award. It's Jake, right, as your nominee. Ryan, as your nominee. And is there a third nominee anyone else wants Who, to put Who's our long snapper? I mean, you do Caleb Christensen as the uh, kick returner. Mm. Hobbs Nyberg. Hobbs, oh, yeah, probably Hobbs is your third nominee as punt returner. Also importantly, are are these awards named something? I mean, I know Michael Scott's got the Dundies, you know, or... Are these the hypies? What what are we calling these? I don't know how I feel about hypies. <laughs> we'll come up with a good name before okay. next week. Perfect. The no free ad trophies. Well, love it. The Thomases. We'll, we'll have them. We'll have them before <laughs> the next week. Thomases. I'm dead. We'll go get but, a good uh, name. Maybe vote on a name too while you're at it. If you have a good name, I'll leave an open spot on the Google form where you can submit your name idea for what the trophy should be called how about that let the fans decide love it all right uh and with that uh this will be a fun week uh recruiting uh national signing day tomorrow BYU game on saturday um and then most importantly the award show comes out on monday uh or tuesday or whatever day we're deciding to record but um tuesday yeah, Tuesday. Good times, though, man. It's, again, super fun to be a BYU fan. I was thinking about it today on my walk. I think I've really only been sad as a BYU football fan five times in the last two years, and that's incredible. Uh, with with the three losses, the the Washington debacle last year, and then, uh, then probably the Independence Bowl announcement this year. But, like, other than that, man, it's been riding high nonstop. Love it. Great time to be a kook. It's always a great day to be a kook. Let's go. As always. But with that, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us here on the BYU Hype Train Podcast. Uh, please be sure to leave us a rating and review if you like the show. Uh, we appreciate hearing from you, except that one person who oddly gave us a four-star rating. Uh, let us know how we can make it a five-star. Uh, <laughs> Because we want to be your, That's fair. A, uh, That's fair. we want to be your uh, top 100 recruit of podcasts. So, um, with that, we we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you on these awards, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days.